0: Everybody good today? Let me give a couple shout-outs just for fun. Brother Sean, after months and months, has made it back to the front row. So let's give it up for Brother Sean for that. He made it. You made it, Brother Sean. You're back. You got a tie on, rocking some tennis shoes with the dress clothes. It's pretty awesome. So Brother Sean is back on the front row. Uh, So just wanted to give you a shout-out, Brother Sean. Also, I was thinking, you know what? I saw Anthony here on the front row. This is awesome. Think about God sent Anthony all the way from Nigeria to us, and he wasn't just sending him to IUS. Think about the divine guidance of God. And I was just looking at you during the offering. and I was like, man, this is awesome that Anthony's sitting on the front row. So let's just give it up for Anthony for being here. Come on, we love you. I was thinking, man, that's awesome. You know, because how in the world could you come from Nigeria to southern Indiana? I mean, of all places. But God knew what he was doing. So, Luke 15, and we're going to read from the New Living Translation. We're going to start in verse 11. It's a very familiar uh, passage for most of us about the prodigal son. So, Luke 15, verse 11, it says, To illustrate the point further, Jesus told this story. A man had two sons. The younger son told his father, I want my share of the estate now before you die. So his father agreed to divide his wealth between his sons. And a few days later, this younger son packed all his belongings, moved to a distant land, and there he wasted all his money in wild living. And about that time, his money ran out, and a great famine swept over the land, and he began to starve. Verse 15, And he persuaded a local farmer to hire him, and the man sent him into the field to feed pigs. And the young man became so hungry that even the pods that the figs were feeding on looked good to him, but no one gave him anything. And when he finally came to his senses, he said to himself, At home, even the hired servants have food enough to spare, and here I am dying of hunger. I will go to my father's house and say, Father, I have sinned against both you and heaven, and I am no longer worthy to be called your son. Please take me back as a servant. Verse 20 So he returned home to his father, and while he was still a long way off, his father saw him coming, filled with, notice, love and compassion. He ran to his son, embraced him, and kissed him. And his son said to him, Father, I have sinned against both heaven and you, and I'm no longer worthy to be called your son. You guys still here? Verse 22. But his father said to the servants, Quick, bring the finest robe in the house and put it on him. Get a ring on his finger, sandals on his feet, and kill the calf. Uh, that we have fattened because we must celebrate. All right, are you vegans offended this morning? Because Jesus just said, kill the fatted calf and eat it. It's scriptural. Okay, barbecue for lunch, everybody. Can I get amen? amen? Okay, there we go. Scriptural, think about it, pray about it. He said, kill the calf that we have fattened and we must celebrate with a feast. And notice we decided to eat Meat, not vegetables. Okay, I'm going to get off that. I'm sorry. I'm sorry. For this, a son of mine was dead, has now returned to life, and he who was lost is now found. So the party began. Notice that the party began. You know God knows how to party better than any party you've ever been to. God really knows how to party. And it goes on and says, verse 25. Now, 25 on is where we're going to really park today. We're going to talk about this morning. It's about the older brother. There's There's another brother in this story. In verse 25, it says, Meanwhile, the older son was in the fields working, and when he returned home, he heard music and dancing in the house. Music and dancing in the house. Did I say that God knows how to throw a good party? Music and dancing in the house. It's scriptural for music and dancing in the house of God. There is no such thing as being stiff, and dry, and dead, and proper in the house of God. He said music and dancing means they were having a good time, having a party. Now, you know the world didn't make up all that stuff. God did. All right. You with me so far? I got to read this verse so we can get going here. So there was music and dancing in the house, and he asked one of his servants, what's going on? He said, your brother is back. And he told, and your father has killed the fatted calf, and we are celebrating because of his safe return. But notice this. The older brother was angry and would not go in. His father came out and begged him, and he replied, All these years I've slaved for you and never once refused to do a single thing you told me. And in all that time, you never gave me even one of your young goats for a feast with my friends. Oh, Poor you, older brother. Yet when the son of yours came back after squandering your money on prostitutes, you celebrate him by killing the fatted calf. Verse 31. His father said to him, Look, dear son, you have always stayed by me, and everything I have is yours. And we had to celebrate this happy day, for your brother was dead, has come back to life, and he who was lost is now found. Come on, did you get something so far this morning? So if you're taking notes today, the title of my message is, this is the last uh, sermon of this series on accidental Pharisee. And this last one, we want to call it Older Brother Syndrome. Older Brother Syndrome. So uh, as we get going, we're going to hang out in Luke 15, the story of the prodigal son today. It's a very familiar passage, but we're not going to talk about the passage or the part of the story that most people talk about, which is the younger son who came back. We're going to talk about the older brother who never left, but was just as lost as the younger brother, the younger son. He was just as lost. It's really not the story of the prodigal uh, son. It's the story of the prodigal sons. One was in the house and one left the house, but they were equally as lost. And dare I say more, the son in the house was more lost than the one outside because he didn't know he was. And the younger one did. And so we're going to get into this uh, message today, but I want to give a quick recap of the past several weeks, what we talked about, just in case you haven't been here. Now, we've been talking on Sunday mornings about accidental Pharisees. And these messages, we've been talking predominantly to people that are Christians, that are saved, that have been in church a while. And we want to talk about the attitudes and the judgments and the heart issues that we have as believers towards either other believers, even towards God sometimes, and especially towards those who are not in church or not saved. And we need to deal with these things because... The bottom line is this, when we are like Pharisees, and really the root of it is pride, and we've said that many times over the past several weeks, the heart of that attitude of a Pharisee is pride, which as we know, when we're prideful, we can't receive anything from God. The Word of God says many times in the Bible, God gives grace to the humble, but He resists the proud. So sometimes we could think, well, we're being right, but actually we're not just harming other people. We're harming our own ability to receive from God when He wants to help us, when He wants to give us stuff, when He wants to change our life. But that attitude of pride and I have it all figured out and I'm good and I'm great and I've earned it and I'm better than other people hinders us from not just hurting other or helping other people, it hinders us from receiving from God ourselves. Why? Because God resists the proud. But he gives grace to the humble. He resists the proud, but he gives grace to the humble. So, the first week we talked about what's in your sheets. And that message was all about dealing with the attitudes that we have towards certain people, the prejudice that we have towards certain people. And let me tell you something all of us in here have that in our life. And we pointed it out because. We need to let God deal with those attitudes and prejudices we have because God wants all of us in here to reach people, help people, change people. He wants us to live in the perfect will of God for, for our lives. He wants us to fulfill the plan of God for our lives. But if we have these attitudes and judgments and prejudice towards certain people, we are not going to be able to fulfill the plan of God for our life. In the same way, in that sermon series, we talked about Peter was called to reach a group of people but he had an attitude towards them because they weren't like him and God said until I can use you Peter as a leader in my church you're going to have to fix your heart because your heart's not right towards other people you have some prejudice you have some attitudes you have some pride in your heart that you're better than other people now we we talked about that the first week and I know all of us probably went home and we could pinpoint at least one or two things that are in our Lives and and we mentioned some of those things. Some of those things could be hot button issues in Christianity, but you know we we discussed a lot of things, not just the race issue or or, or being uh, different genders, but we talked about things like people that don't look like us, that don't talk like us. Maybe they're poor, maybe they're rich. We talked about people that are you know maybe sexually they're they're homosexual or they believe in something different than us. There's different things in the church and the body of Christ that are considered things that people avoid more than other things. And you got to realize if people are going to be helped and they're going to have hope, then where else can they go but the church to get help? Or you got quiet on me then. If people really want their life changed, where else could they go but the house of God? Where else could they go to somebody like you and I that can notice to show them the way to God? Show them the way, and that's what happened with Peter and this story with Cornelius, Cornelius was seeking after God. Like a lot of people in this world, they're seeking after God, but they don't know the way to God. They don't know how to get in a relationship with God. They don't know how to get their life right. And they need somebody to show them the way. That's why God put Peter in their life. But you know what? God will send people to your life that are like that. that you know what? They're searching. They're looking, but maybe they don't know where to go yet. So if we shun those people... And walk around those people and exclude those people because our own prejudice and attitudes. And trust me, those type of people, you fill in the blank, whoever that is for your life, they will make you feel uncomfortable. And actually, that's a good thing. Because God is trying to get us out of our comfort zone. He's trying to to get us beyond the four walls of the church. He's trying to get us out of the Christian bubble that most of us live in so we can actually reach people that need help, that need healing, that need hope. Come on, you get something so far. I'm just recapping right now, but this is not even the message. So we talked about what's in your sheet. The next week we talked about Jesus and the Pharisees. We talked about the vast difference between Jesus and religious people because there's A big difference between religion and Jesus. And most people don't know the difference. And especially people that come into church, they associate more with religion than Jesus. That's why they don't want to be here. That's why they don't want to be around Christians. Because they've seen religion, but they haven't seen the real Jesus. So when we talked about that, we talked about how there's vast differences between religion and Jesus. And we want to model our lives around Jesus but most of the time, honestly, a lot of us, our tendencies are more in line with the Pharisees, with the way we treat people and see them. So we needed to see what the heart of God was because Jesus came to reveal the heart of God. And last week, we talked about the Pharisee card. We talked about Paul and how he was a Pharisee before he got saved. He was a very religious person, but he said in Philippians, and we we stuck there last week and we really got into that story is Paul said everything before Christ meant nothing to what Christ has done for me all my religious background all my being from the right family all my education all my upbringing everything apart from God meant nothing and so we talked about that just in our personal life sometimes we we try to hold on to things to make us right with God or better than other people but At the end of the day, all of us apart from God are nothing and can do nothing of significance. And we have to see ourselves like that. Notice, because that's a humble attitude towards God, and that's when God can help us. Because when we're prideful and act like we can do it on our own, guess what? God will let us try to do it on our own. Because we have our own free will. But God, notice, he resists the proud, but he gives grace to the humble. And so we need to realize anything that we've done in this life, we can't hold on to it. Whether that's, you know, I've been raised in church my whole life. I try to read the Bible. I try to be a good person. I try to walk old grannies across the street. You know, I give cupcakes to my neighbors. You know, whatever you trust in. Those are good things, but they don't make you right with God. And they don't grant you any more favor in heaven. The bottom line is, only what Christ has done for us is what matters. Everything else we've got to count as worthless. You hear this morning. So this morning we're going to end with this message about the older brother. And the older brother really embodies all the rest of these things we've talked about the past several weeks. So let's look at Luke 15 again. Luke 15. So many of you know this. Story in Luke 15 And the context of the story is this If you read at the beginning of Luke 15 Once again The Pharisees and religious people Ask Jesus Let's just read it Luke 15 1 This is why Jesus tells these stories in the first place Luke 15 1 It says the tax collectors And notorious sinners often came To listen to Jesus teach Verse 2 And this made the Pharisees and teachers Of religious law complain They made him complain made him upset that he was associating with such sinful people and even eating with them so that's the reason why Jesus tells these three stories is because he was trying to help people who needed help and religious people didn't like that and they said Jesus why do you if you're so holy and you're God Why do you hang out with lost people, hurting people, broken people? Why do you even go to eat with them? And what he said was this. All right, that's a good question. I'm going to tell you three stories. And Jesus did this a lot in the Gospels. He told parables, which parables are a story to explain what he's doing. A story to make people understand what the meaning of this lifestyle or a teaching pertaining to the kingdom of God or what God is like, he would give them a story. And how many know a lot of us relate to stories better than somebody just teaching us? We all like stories. So Jesus was a master teacher and he told stories. they called parables in the gospels, but they're stories. Jesus told three stories. He told the story of the lost sheep. He told the story of the lost coin. And he told the story of the lost son. Now, we just want to focus on the lost son. That's what we're talking about today. So what happens in this story is this. There is a father and there's two sons. A father and two sons, which that's significant because we know the father that is supposed to be portrayed as God in this story. But then there's two sons. The one son being somebody who knows that they're lost, knows that they need help. And the other son being the Pharisee or the the religious person of that day. But we could be in that same category. Like I said, it could be the parable of the two lost sons. Not just the one lost son, because both of them were lost. So what happens is, in this story, he says, "All right, dad, I want you to give me all your money that belongs to me. And I'm going to go live my own life, do my own thing, like a lot of people want to do, apart from God. I want a life without God. I think I'm missing out on something. You ever heard that from anybody? I'm missing out on something. The, the, The church is restraining me. God is restricting me. I can't have fun. I'm missing out on what the world's really offering. So I just need to spread my wings and fly. Spread my wings and fly. I need to sow my wild oats. I need, to just, I need to just get out, you know, and just find myself. Myself. That's your problem in the first place. Yourself. I love that. I need to find myself. You don't need yourself. You need God, person. You don't need yourself. Why are you trying to find yourself? Are you in there or not? I mean, come on. But people say, I need to find myself. Meaning, I want everybody to leave me alone so I can do what I want to do translation. That's translation. Okay. I've been in youth ministry for 10 years, so I figured that out by now. Translation means I want to do what I want to do. Don't talk to me about it. End of story. So he said, I want to find myself, dad. I need to find myself. Let me find myself, dad. And you know what the dad was? A father like God is. He said, okay, go do it. You know, God's given us a free will. We can do whatever we want to do. Even if he doesn't want us to do it, even if he knows it's going to hurt us, he's still not going to control us because he's given you a free will to do what you want to do. He has. And many people ask questions about like, well, why did God do this in the world? And why did God do that? People have a free will to do what they want to do. And if, if they want to do something, even though God knows it's going to hurt, he'll give you that ability to do that. How many parents are in the house this morning? You know the same thing. You can't make your kids do anything, especially when they get older. You wish you could. You try to. Mom still tries to all the time. But she can't. No, I'm not saying that. She tries to. I listen to her sometimes. But you know, as a parent, you can't make your kid do certain things. Why? Because they have a free will. They have a free choice. Same way with God. God loves you. God doesn't want you to do certain things because he knows it's going to hurt. Just like you telling your kid, don't do this. And then they get hurt and you say, I told you not to do that. And you did that. Same way with God. And so that's what the father in the story, he is supposed to be God in this story. And he says, son, okay, I'm going to give you your money. You can go do what you want. And he went away. He went to a place uh, to party. And to just live wild, get drunk, like he says, have prostitutes, um, do whatever he wanted to do, gamble, thought he was living the high life, having a good time. But then something happened in the story. Eventually, the younger son who went away to do that, like everybody in life, the fun ran out, Um, the money ran out, everything ran out, and he was in want. Which that happens for everybody on the planet. I don't know if you realize that. Some people sooner than later. But in everybody's life, there is a time that the fun runs out. Like, yeah, this is not too much fun anymore. This is kind of destroying my life. It's kind of getting old. I know that there's something more. Now, what is that? That is the thing that God put in you from the beginning of time. That is that desire that he put in your heart for you to know him. And there's nothing that can fill that void inside your life, in your heart. There's nothing. So eventually, after you come down from being high and being, you know, drunk and and sleeping around or doing whatever you're doing, eventually, when you get quiet enough, you're empty. You're not fulfilled. So that's what happened to the younger son. He hit that point where he said he came to his senses. I love that. He came to his senses. There's a time in everybody's life where they hit that. I just want to say in here for for you in here that are believing for prodigal sons and prodigal daughters. There'll be a time that that happens for them. It might not be right this second. It might not be today. But trust me, they'll come back to God. God's working on them right now. And there will be a time that they come back to their senses and say, why am I doing this? And so he came to a census and notice he he went to go. He was so hungry, he went to try to feed on what pigs feed on. And if you're a Jewish person, you're not allowed to eat what pigs eat or pigs. So that's about as low as you can go as a Jewish person. And that's the context of this story. And that's who he was. He was a Jewish young man. That's about the worst thing you could do. It was about the lowest point that you could get to to say that I'm not going to even eat a pig. I just want to eat what a pig eats because I'm so hungry, because I'm looking for Something beyond what I have. He came to a census and notice he went home to his father's house, but notice his attitude when he went home was humility. He went home and he said, Dad, I'm wrong. I need help. And notice what happened. God resists the proud, but he gives grace to the humble. Because the younger son came home with a humble attitude, the dad said, I love you, son. I care about you, son. He kissed him, he hugged him, and notice what happens. Because of his attitude of humility, he said, bring out the best robe and put it on him. Kill the fatted calf, put a ring on his finger. Notice he started receiving from God because he had a humble attitude. And so, with all of our lives, the same thing could be true. You know, when you mess up, just humble yourself before God and notice God, He's showing the father's heart. What was the father's attitude? It wasn't judgment. It wasn't condemnation. It wasn't, son, well, you did this for this long. You're going to be on restriction for two years. His reaction was, son, I love you. Let's restore it today. Let's get it right today. Let's get you back on track today. Let's get the blessings of God going in your back. In in your life today. Let's not wait for anything. And that is the Father's heart for all of us in here. When you humble yourself before God and you repent about something, he's not waiting on something to get, get you back into his life. He's not waiting on something. He's not putting you on a trial period to prove yourself. He said, Let's restore it today. That's good news. It's good news. And that's the heart of the Father. He's not trying to drag out your judgment and your condemnation and, yeah, you did this, this, and this. Let's see the punishment because you deserve it. No, he says, if you come with a humble attitude, I can restore it today. I can start this process of restoration today. I can start bringing things back into your life today. Now, I'm not even supposed to be talking about the prodigal son today. I'm supposed to be talking about the other one. But you're pulling it out of me today. So... (laughs) When we humble ourselves before God, we have that attitude. Notice he can start restoring us today. He can start doing things in our lives, and that's the Father's heart. He don't, when we mess up, he doesn't want us to run away from him. He wants us to run to him. Not away, and that's, that's the tendency in all of us, just like it was in the Garden of Eden. Adam and Eve, what happened? They sinned, and they tried to bail from God. But how many know you can't run away from God? He's kind of omnipresent, so that means you can never run away from God, ever. So even if you try to hide behind a tree, he's there. Ta da, I'm here. Even if you flew to a, a desert island in the middle of the ocean, in the middle of nowhere, guess what? When you get there, he's like, I'm here. You can't run because he's omnipresent. And so we see that happen in the beginning, and that's happened ever since. When we sin, when we mess up, our tendency, and notice that's not from God, that's from the enemy. We run away from God instead of run to God. You know, if Adam and Eve would have ran to God, it probably would have been a different story in the beginning. But they ran away. And so this is what this son was doing. His tendency was to run away, but when he came back and he humbled himself, God restored his life so what happens is they have this party for the son a welcome home party which would make sense if you really thought that your your brother or your son was dead and he came back home it would be exciting It'd be like you're not dead we thought you were dead let's have a party let's have a good time doesn't matter what you did it matters that you're back home now and They started throwing a party. It said that they killed the fatted calf, so they had ribs. Once again, I want to emphasize that. That's something that you need to, you know, just realize in the Greek and the Hebrew language, it says ribs, it says brisket, it says hamburgers, it says steak, filet mignon, ribeye. You know, it's just in the Greek translation. You need to look it up later. So any good party, they're going to serve meat on the grill. Where we at in here? Come on. So, you can imagine this. The older son, the older brother, is out in the field working while this is going on. He's working. Now, there's just a nugget right there. He's working. He's working. He's working. Now, that's what Pharisees and religious people are good at. Working for God, but never really having a relationship with God. Working. This, this attitude and mindset of works. I have to work to be made right with God. I have to work to be a son. Notice he wasn't a son by his work. He was a son by his birth. Are you here this morning? And you're not a son of God by your work or your worth. You're a son of God by birth, not your worth. And that's why Jesus said you must be born again because you're born into this family. You don't work yourself into this family. Same way with God. You were born into this. And the older brother thought, I got to work to be right with my father. I got to work to be a son. But he was already a son. He already had all the privileges as a son. But he didn't realize it. So he's out in the field working. And imagine, he's working. And they probably... Haven't done this in a long time. He heard the music crank up. Now, they were bumping some music. They had some speakers. They had some bass. They were bumping some music, and he heard this music bumping, probably that Middle Eastern music going on. You know, I was about to sing some Prince of Egypt songs, but. Okay, something like that. That was a really bad version of Prince of Egypt. But you know what I was saying. So, you know, probably people are doing that circle dance like that. Like, hey, 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 stuff like that. So he heard this music bumping in the house. Not only does he hear the music bumping, he, he sees people dancing, people having a good time. Now, he knows he's been with the dad this whole time. Nobody's having a good time when the older or the younger son's gone they're not just rejoicing in general at the house because his dad's probably heartbroken that his son's been gone. So this is different. So he hears the music. He hears, you know, the, the dancing. He sees the dancing. You know, he smells the ribs on the grill. Did I say that already? He smells. is it lunchtime? He smells the, the ribs because you could smell it from a mile away. Kind of like this morning when I walked in, I smelled the bacon in that back room. I was like, thank God we're under the new covenant, not the old covenant. Because I smell bacon in the house of God. You could have got thrown out in the Old Testament for that. So. He was out in the field. He could smell all this going on so he could see it. He could smell it. He was around it. And he was like, well, what is going on here? I'm out here working. So Luke. 15, and we're going to start in verse 27. you still here today. He said, your brother is back, and he was told that your father has killed the fatted calf, and we are celebrating because of a safe return. In verse 28, notice this. The older brother was angry and would not go in, and his father came out and begged him. Notice that the older brother was angry and would not go in. And his father came out and begged him. Now, we're talking about the older brother syndrome today. Now, see if any of these things pertain to you, your life, or this attitude of being a Pharisee or being prideful. Some of these things we're about to mention in the story have everything to do with that religious prideful spirit that we can all slip into. Like I said, we call it accidental Pharisees because nobody does that on purpose. Nobody gets there on purpose. Nobody says, I would like to be religious and a Pharisee. Nobody says that. But you slip into those attitudes. You slip into that pride. Now, everybody's done it, so let's just all admit it, including myself. And so what happens when the younger brother came home and he got blessed and he was celebrated, the older brother was angry. He was angry. One of the first things I want to say today is this. In our lives, look, if you can't celebrate other people, then you might have a religious spirit. If you can't celebrate other people, their blessings, God did something for them, then you might be a Pharisee. You might have a little bit of pride in your life. Now, why did why did this, this brother get upset about this? It wasn't because there was a party. There's nothing wrong with the party. The reason he got upset is because He thought his younger brother didn't deserve a party. He didn't deserve a celebration. He didn't deserve to be blessed as much as the older brother deserved it. Are you listening to me today? You know the same thing can be true for us. Let me just give you some examples right here. You see somebody who who just came into church. You've been in church a long time. You've been believing God for a car a long time. Somebody just came in last month and they got a new car. Now, you're not going to say it out loud because you don't want to look bad. But inwardly, you're upset about that because why? They don't deserve a new car. I deserve it because I've earned it. Instead of celebrating and rejoicing with other people when they get blessed, and celebrating other people when they see progress in their lives. You know, in the book of Romans it says, Rejoice with those who rejoice, and weep with those who weep. We need to be people like that, that when somebody is getting celebrated, we need to be the biggest celebrator in the house. We need to be the person that says, okay, I'm going to put on a hot dog. We're going to get this party started. Let's crank up the music. I'm going to dance. I'm not going to sit over in the corner like some people do at my dance party. I'm done. I'm done. Don't don't get me started on my camp dance party. Because you're no fun in a party pooper. And you can't celebrate if everybody else is having a good time You need to have a good time too instead of sitting over in the corner with your sour look on your face. Now that doesn't just pertain to my dance party, that pertains to life. Think about this, honestly. We can all say there's times in our life that stuff like this happens and we don't have a good attitude and we don't celebrate with other people. And the root of that is pride. It's a religious spirit. What is it? In your head, you wouldn't say it out loud. You think they don't deserve it and I do. Bottom line is none of you deserve it, but God is gracious. That's the truth. Now, that's really the truth. But in our works mindset that all of us can slip into is they don't deserve it, and I do. Now, here's something that even in my own life, you see somebody who, let's just say somebody left church or somebody um, that used to be close with you that kind of walked away from God. Sometimes you'll hear back stories about how their life is going and it's not too good. What's your attitude towards that? I know a lot of you wouldn't say it out loud, but a lot of you, in your minds, you're thinking, good. They deserve that because of their attitude. Well, they walked away from God, so good, that's the consequences of it. All right, Pharisee. Well, you know, they brought the judgment on themselves, so I don't care. All right, religious spirit, go ahead. You are not being like God when you act like that. And that's not the heart of God when we think like that. Trust me, all of us in here have thought it before. Whether you said it or not, you've thought it. You've thought those things like, well, serves them right. Consequences, judgment of God. You deserve the consequences and judgment of God. Our attitude should be in that situation, I feel bad for those people. Let me pray for those people. My heart breaks when I hear they're going through tragedy. Not I'm rejoicing. Yeah, I'm on top. They're on the bottom. Good. Nor attitude should be mercy and grace, and I feel sorry for them, and I'm going to pray for them. And you know what? You need to have a, a heart that's clean towards those people instead of good, serves them right. Turn their back on me, turn their back on this church, judgment. That's not God's heart. You know what? Some of that happens. In reality, the truth of it is sometimes people do bring consequences and judgment on themselves. But that's not your job, that's not your responsibility. Your responsibility is to stay on the side of mercy, of grace to keep your heart right and realize, like it says in the New Testament, take heed lest you fall also. All right, you know, you're walking good right now, but take heed lest you fall also. It's easy. We're on a slippery road here, folks. So let's not rejoice when somebody falls off. Am I getting too honest on a Sunday morning? I feel like I'm just getting a little bit too honest. I was with you the past couple weeks, Pastor, but you're pushing it today. So we think about this. Do we celebrate others or do we get angry when other people get blessed? You know, when you see somebody, and I I even heard Brother Les mention this right before I was about to come in. When you see somebody come back to church or come back to God or come back to relationship, what is your attitude towards those people? It should be rejoicing. It should be celebration. It should be, I don't hold anything against you. I love you. We're glad you're here. Not, I remember what you did why are you here today? Haven't seen you in a long time, buddy. (laughs) I don't know if any of you do that, but that was a good impersonation of a religious person. Is this hitting a little bit close to home this morning? Yeah. So the older brother syndrome, all of us can have it. And that's what we need to Guard our hearts. And a lot of these things, like I said, we don't say it out loud. You guys know better than that. But a lot of times it's in our heart and it's, it's still there even if we don't say it. And notice it's affecting our relationship with other people, but even our relationship with the Father. It hinders it. So we need to do what the Bible does. We need to rejoice with those rejoice. If somebody receives something, maybe you were believing God for that same thing and they get it before you, Rejoice celebrate them getting something doesn't stop you from getting something from God God's big enough to help everybody but also like the Bible says weep with those who weep if somebody's going through a bad time a tough time if they've received some consequences or some judgment in their life don't jump on that you should be compassionate towards that like man that stinks what they're going through right now I need to pray for those people I need to try to help those people we need to watch our heart Watch that Pharisee religious spirit. So he noticed he was angry. That's a major thing for... You've you seen angry Christians all over the world right now. You've seen them. That's not God. That's a religious Pharisee spirit. So he was angry and he wouldn't come in and his dad begged him to come in. Verse 29, it says, But he replied, All these years I've slaved for you and never once... Did a, I never once refused to do a single thing you told me. And all that time you never gave me even one young goat for a feast with my friends. Yet when the son of yours came home. Notice your son, not my brother. Your son. Your son. Your son. How many times do we distance ourselves from people? Your son. No, it's your brother. Hello, somebody. You know, everybody on the planet, everybody that has received Jesus, they're not your enemy. They're your brother. They're your sister. You need to treat them like that. And when they're going through something, you're going through something. Let's not have this attitude, well, your son. No, it's, it's your brother. And he goes on and says, and your son came back. After squandering your money on prostitutes and you celebrate him by killing the fatted calf. We'll talk about that just for a moment here. We mentioned this last week, but Pharisees love to talk about their resume. Pharisees love to talk about what they did right and what others did wrong. And that's what he was doing here. Let's make me look great and let's like make my brother look horrible here. That's what a Pharisee does. And so what did he do? He started into his resume, just like last week we talked about Paul and the other Pharisees. They love resume. This is what I have done. This is what I have earned. This is because I am right and you are wrong. This is because of me. And he says, Dad, I never refuse to do a single thing you ever told me. All these years... I've sl- Notice he said, I've slaved for you. He had the wrong mindset in the first place. And he says, and you never even gave me one young goat for a feast with my friends. Yet when this son of yours came back from squandering your money on prostitutes, you celebrate him by killing the fatted calf. He was trying to make his younger brother look bad and him look good. We're like a Pharisee when we do that, because I, I know that sometimes we can say that, well, yeah, well, you know, I've done this, this, and this, and they've done, or we can say in the Christian terms, I have a prayer request for you guys. Um, this person's been on my heart recently, and um, they're kind of getting into some stuff, and then the person asks, like, what? Oh, since you asked, let me tell you. <laughs> well, I didn't want to tell you, but since I'm spiritual, I need to tell you. Anybody ever heard that before? And making other people look bad so you can look good. That doesn't help anybody. That's not the heart of God. And notice the dad didn't even ask those questions. The dad didn't say, give me the list of all your sins before you come back in this house. But the younger brother, he got all his dirty laundry thrown out in the yard. By the older brother. Here's another thing. When, when we're like a Pharisee, when we're religious, when we have this older brother syndrome, we like to air other people's mistakes and talk about the good things in our life. It shouldn't be. The word of God says love covers a multitude of sins. Your mistakes and your friends' mistakes is nobody else's business. And a lot of times we air other people's mistakes, not because we care about them, but because we want to make ourselves look better. That's not the heart of God. That's not the love of God, because it says the love of God covers. The love of God covers. So he gave him this resume and said what he'd done right and then what his younger son had done wrong. And notice what he had done to earn all these things and how the younger son didn't earn these things we mentioned this a couple weeks ago the story of when Jesus said remove the log in your own eye so you can help the one with the splinter because you're trying to talk about other people but God says hey what you know you got a big old log in your eye right now and you're trying to help everybody else At the eye doctor, get something out of their eye, but you can't see yourself. And that's what was happening with this older brother, this older son. He was picking in his little brother's eyes and didn't realize, I have a huge two-by-four sticking out of my own. Instead of rejoicing that his brother was alive. In verse 31, it says his father said to him, look, dear son, you have always stayed by me and everything I have is yours. In verse 32, notice we had to celebrate this happy day for your brother was dead, has come back to life. He who was lost is now found. Before we finish this message up, you could just write these this verse down. But Second Corinthians 10 and verse 12 it says that we shouldn't compare ourselves among ourselves. We shouldn't compare ourselves to other people because it's unwise. That's a nice version of it. It's unwise. And it says we shouldn't compare ourselves among ourselves because it will never end up anyplace good. Let me tell you why. When we compare ourselves to other people, we either end up in two different categories and both of them are not good. So, if we compare ourselves to people that we feel like are beneath us, we're in a place of pride, which is not good. But then if we compare ourselves with somebody that we think is far beyond us, we put ourselves in this place of despair and depression. And so God says, you don't need to compare yourself to anybody. You just have to be you. You have to do what God has called you to do. Instead of looking at each other as competition, and you're further along, and you're not so far along, and that's what this younger, or this older brother was doing to his younger brother. He was comparing. He was trying to size it up. I'm up here, and you're down here. And that's what a lot of us do, whether it's said or unsaid. It's still in our hearts, and we have to deal with it. And it says when we compare ourselves with other people, it's always unwise. Because it's only going to end up in two places. You're either going to feel great about yourself or you're going to feel horrible about yourself. You're going to be either be in pride or you're going to be in depression. There's no good place to be instead of just being who God has called you to be. And comparison is the biggest enemy of our joy in our lives. it's the biggest enemy of our happiness is comparison because we always feel like either somebody's got more than we have or somebody's got less than we have. Instead of, It's none of your business. Just live your life and rejoice with those who rejoice and weep with those who weep and try to help everybody in the middle. But when we compare ourselves, it's unwise. In verse 31, it says, His father said to him, Look, dear son, you have always stayed by me and everything I have is yours And we had to celebrate this happy day for your brother who was dead has come back to life. He who was lost is now found. He who was lost is now found. I just think that's interesting, this last part in 31. It says, the father said, look, dear son, you have always stayed by me, and everything I have is already yours. This is what happens to people with pride in their lives. This is what happens to people who have this religious spirit. Not only do they hurt other people, but they can't receive from God themselves. He was in this house his whole life, he had all these privileges, he had all these things that he could have done, and he didn't receive any of it because of his attitude. Because of pride, notice, because God resists the proud, but he gives grace to the humble. The older son was there. He could have had a barbecue every day. He could have had a day's party every day. He could have received from his dad every day. But notice his attitude, he didn't receive any of it because of that religious, prideful attitude. And the dad said, what are you talking about? We give this guy one party his whole life when you could have been having a party every day all this time. But notice your prideful attitude kept you from receiving from God. Isn't that amazing? He said, you've been in this house the whole time and everything I have is already yours. Everything. Everything I have is already yours. You know what, that's what God is saying to you today. Why are you complaining about what other people are getting or what other people are experiencing? Everything I have is already yours. Rejoice and receive it. Instead of looking at what other people have and don't have, you were in this house the whole time. But because of that pride, it kept you from receiving from God. I don't know about you, but I want to receive what God has for me. And it's, it's strong because, think about this, he was in the house or we could say he was in church this whole time and he wasn't receiving anything because of pride. And then his brother came off the street and got blessed and he was mad about it and God said, you had this the whole time, but you didn't take advantage of it because of your attitude. I just think this is Shocking. I think that when we think about this series and being a Pharisee and this attitude of pride, about how dangerous it is because it's not just hurting other people, which is good enough to just talk about it, but it's hurting all of us in here because we can't receive from God. And we're missing things from God and we're missing blessings from God. Why? Because of that attitude. It comes out towards other people, but notice it even comes out towards God sometimes. God resists the proud, but he gives grace to the humble. So, as we close today, I just want us to to look into our hearts, and I know that this series is not like a hip, hip, hooray series. It hasn't been. But series like this are actually sometimes better for you Then other series that make you feel warm, fuzzy, you go get a Bentley next week, you'll go get out of debt, you know, all those series and everybody's taking laps like, yeah, but your attitude stinks. But there's pride in your life. And so I pray that as we close this series today, we start on something new that all of us in here would look at our hearts, look at our attitude towards God and towards other people. You know, I only preach messages that God preaches to me first. I only talk about things that he's calling out in my life. So this is not me saying, well, I learned this church family. This is you guys, not me. (laughs) This is stuff that God talks to me about. And I feel like as a church to, to reach people, to help people, to grow the church, to do what God has called us to do, You have to deal with these issues first before God will send people into your life. You have to deal with these things first before you can make progress in your own life. Not just with people, but with God. And I just pray that after today, none of us would have this older brother syndrome anymore. We'd be a person that rejoices with people that come back to God. We'd be a person that that celebrates when other people get blessed. And that when people are going through stuff, we don't we don't rejoice, we weep with those who weep. We pray for those who are going through stuff. Even if you could say, well, they deserved it. Well, what did you deserve? And show them grace and show them mercy because if you were in that situation, you wouldn't want people rejoicing. You would want people praying for you. So that's my prayer today as we close that we would have this humility, this humble attitude towards God, towards each other. Towards the people that are not even here yet. Towards the people in our lives that don't know God yet. Because that's a heart that God can use. Do you guys get anything out of this series?